What is your fantasy laundromat? What could be more perfect than a laundromat with a restaurant, reading material, a kid's literary program, and weekly book signings? It's on the tip of the tongue. Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. Welcome, everyone. We're here with Jane Wolf, co-owner with Scott Wolf, her husband, here at Melba's and Melba's Wash World. So we're really excited to be here. They have the most wonderful literacy program involved with food and eating at Melba's. And that program is informally known as Eat and Read at Melba's, but its formal name is Melba's Gift of Literature Project. So welcome, Jane. Thank you. It's an honor for you to be here to to, uh, hear what we're doing over here. So I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Well, this is really a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to thank you for including me in your project. Yes, in the very beginning. In the, yeah, it and was you were really kind enough to come right away with the invitation. And I felt so good because the yeses were so important in the beginning, right? So you were an author that uh, wholeheartedly said yes right away. And it's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Well, I think it was good for both of us. Yeah, it was right. really wonderful. And I feel like I reached a different audience, number mm-hmm. one. And number two, I got to know you better, mm-hmm. okay. which is really great. All right, good. <laughs> so um, now that we're sort of, you've got a little bit of time under your belt mm-hmm. with this program and mm-hmm. everything, why don't you tell us a little bit about Melba's? What Melba's. is the history of Melba's? Well, I went to school late in life. I became an adult learner. I went to college at 43 years old. And where did you go? I went to Tulane School of Continuing Studies. I entered. I took one class, and then I crossed over and graduated from Tulane, Newcomb, and you mm-hmm. know, big program. So I went to graduate school also. And where did you go? I went to Harvard Divinity School. So a professor over at Tulane told me to apply, and I couldn't believe that somebody had faith in me. And I went to Harvard Divinity School, which was a beautiful, um, beautiful ride. So right? did you actually live in Cambridge? Yeah, in Cambridge, mm-hmm. and I was there for three years uh-huh. uh, through the school year. My husband would come up about every, t- every he'd come up every 10 days and stay for about 10 days. So uh-huh. it was a beautiful time in our life because my husband and I got married at 15 and 17 years old. So we got to live the college life as older people. Oh, so which wow. was a beautiful thing. That's wonderful. Yeah. And this all happened after Katrina, I decided to go to school. I entered school at 2012. I finished Tulane at 20. No, 20, I forgot what year it was, right after Katrina. I graduated from Tulane in 2012. 2015, I graduated from Harvard. So so we're getting to the point of how Melba's came about. Right. <laughs> My husband was getting kind of bored at home, I think, uh-huh. uh, with me in school, always engulfed in the books for seven and a half years. We had just gotten rid of all our locations of the grocery business we were in for 35 years, which was Wagner's Meats. Mm-hmm. Uh, Katrina kind of pushed that aside. We got into the construction business after Katrina. And my husband passed this location while I was at school. 
And when I came down to visit a home for a holiday, he passed it and he says, I think I'm going to open up something here. So I knew it was a great spot because of the cause that passed. Right. Right. And we know the neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. So instantly I knew it was going to be a good spot. And you're a New Orleans native? That's right. Okay. Born, we born and raised in New, uh, New Orleans. I was raised in St. Bernard, but we've had business since New Orleans our entire life. You so, know, I live in St. Bernard now. Oh, do you really? Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. It's so close to New Orleans. It is, absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. a hop, skip, and a jump. Mm -hmm. um, so he showed it to me, and I said, go for it. I knew it would keep him busy. Uh-huh. Uh, and he was all excited about it because he thought, uh, he, you know, he's going to work on his project. And it came about, the laundromat was first, and he had a little ice cream parlor next door. And he kind of was going with just ice cream and coffee and a laundromat, mm -hmm. right? So he wanted it to be easily run. Right. Right? And um, he said that it was losing money because of the ice cream and the coffee wasn't bringing enough people. So I passed one day with him and I said, why don't you put po' boys, Scott? We always did po' boys over at all the Wagners. Right. We used to have little delis inside of Wagners. Yeah, you knew po' boys. We knew it, right? Yeah. And uh, he says, that's right. We need to go back to what we know, you know? And from that day forward, he, he pushed it and it worked. Everything we put in, you just gotta feed what the customer needs. So how did you decide to stay open all night? Well, we come from the grocery business and we come from the convenience store business. Mm -hmm. We were 24 hours. It was out. It's, it's, it's in our blood, right? It's a lifestyle. Uh -huh. And our gas stations were open 24 hours. The convenience stores were open 24 hours. And when you have food, especially the type of food we have that's geared to what I call everyday people, uh -huh. it's not geared so much to the tourists. It's it's more of a local fare. Right. Uh, it's easy to keep it going for 24 hours. And the one reason why we kept it open for 24 hours is because before COVID, of course, New Orleans is a tourism city, right? Mm -hmm. it, 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 it's popping 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And when the service personnel got off of work, they would come to Melba's to eat. Uh -huh. So, you know, some of our busiest times was 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. Uh -huh. And that's why the 24 hours, that's why we're here 24 hours a day, because of the grocery experience, the convenience store experience, the gas experience, and then the experience of when our customers need us. So tell me then how you developed this penchant for literacy. Wow. Well, it goes back. It didn't just happen, right? Nothing in life happens, right? right? Uh, it goes back to when we were in the grocery business. We used to give free ice cream. We still give free ice cream. We give ice cream to anybody that comes into the grocery store with an A on their report card. You could have, you know, you could have all D's on your report card, but if you had an A, you got a free ice cream. So I saw the impact that that did for the for the parent and the child, right? So the parent would be excited. It, would, it brought smiles to people's faces. Uh -huh. You'd walk into the grocery and you, the child would be holding their report card and they'd get a free ice cream. And the interaction was so lovely at the cash register, right? So we started that 35 years ago, back in 1980, 82, we started doing that at all our groceries. And 
I just saw that involved in the schools with, uh -huh. the, with the child is educating, right? Uh -huh. Give a pat on the back for doing good work. So it's evolved to literacy today. And the reason why I picked literacy is mostly because every business owner has to find something. I believe that every business owner has to find something that engages with the community to make the community of which they serve better. And literacy is that vein that we chose. And we chose it mostly because Personally, I didn't read a book until I was 43 years old. From the age of 15 to 43, I was constantly reading magazines about business and advertising. And perhaps that's why Scott and I are good in business, because that's all we did, right? Mm -hmm. we, you, were, you were focused. Right, we were focused. But when the reading world opened up to me, and I realized how much I was missing in life, and how much reading allowed me as an adult learner to put it all together, and to understand things more at a deeper level, I all of a sudden understood what the written word does for somebody. And also literacy inside the area that we service, we are inside an area that is dedicated as a book desert, right? right. And just the mere access of books from a child's level is very important, right? Mm -hmm. So at the laundromat here, we, we give books to children we have access to books to children, but on the Melba side, we push an access of books to, to the everyday people and more adults. Right. So we got it all here. And so how long have you been doing the program, the Eat and Drink at Melba? We, we, we started it when I was at Harvard Divinity School. Okay. I was at school and I had a graduate advisor. His name was Professor Jonathan Walton. He is now the dean at Wake Forest mm -hmm. uh, Divinity School. And um, he had a new book coming out, and he was my graduate advisor. What was his book? His book was titled The Lens of Love. Okay. And it was a beautiful look at uh, the Bible from the, it was just, it's a beautiful book, The mm -hmm. Lens of Love, mm -hmm. by Professor Jonathan Walton. And his family, uh, him and his wife used to love New Orleans, right? And so we had a connection with New Orleans. He was for the Atlanta Falcons. I'm uh, with the New Orleans Saints. So I really got along with my graduate advisor very well. And he had the new book coming out. And I said, Jonathan, why don't you do a book signing at Melba's? And he says, okay, we'll do a book signing at Melba's. So he was our first book signing. Him and his wife and his children came down for a whole week during Christmas holidays. Mm -hmm. And he had a book signing here. And after the book signing, he said, Jane, this is so needed to get the books into hands of everyday people. Now here's Jonathan Walton at the highest levels of academic thought, right at uh -huh. Harvard. And, um, and when he told me that, I knew I had something. And then after him, people started coming. So that's, it's been going on for a year, uh -huh. year and a half. We've given away 4,800 books already. That's an enormous yeah, number. We've of had 40, 40 authors come in. I hardly ever get a no. Uh -huh. People are happy to get engaged with the program. That's so, uh, really exciting. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, you hit a vein in a neighborhood when it's well received by the community mm -hmm. and it's well received by the people involved in making it happen. And but, I don't have to push hard. No. Yeah. I'm. I'm starting. I'm, I'm booked out till the end of January with books right now. 
So with authors, yes, who are, with authors. Yes. And so, when you first started, did you do it once a week, once a month? What well, was doing it? about twice a month? Okay. Yeah, twice a month. Then it became three times a month. Now, I mean, I have I think five I, or six authors in October. What we're gonna also what we're gonna do in twenty twenty one? We're gonna have more local authors. Uh-huh. Like on November fourteenth, uh, November seventh, I have a local resident. I have a lot of local people coming in with their books. Uh huh. So. Um, we're going to have to create a, in a, a committee inside of Melba's because it's getting so big that we're going to have to create a committee that's going to have to decide what books to have and what not books to have. But this uh, young lady, a mother of four, is coming over to share her poems. Oh, that's lovely. So a beautiful poetry book. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And she's excited, and mm-hmm. we're excited to have her. Oh yes, you know. Oh, it sounds so. It's, it's moving into it's, more local authors right. instead of just New York Times bestsellers, right? You know? So that you're really, really helping the local yes. uh, writing community, yes. and as well as continuing the whole project, yes, the whole thing. That sounds wonderful. So, all right, I, I, there um, are lots and lots <laughs> of questions that I still have. So, before we start talking about this little nook here, yeah. um, tell me about about what kind of recognition you've had because I think that's very exciting. Yeah, um, you know, never in my wildest dreams did I think running a laundromat would capture the attention of world leaders that have seen any everything, right? I, and uh, some of the things that has happened is that the Laundromat Association with the Laundry Cares Foundation. Uh, is hooked up with Too Small to Fail, which is with the Clinton Foundation. And they're working on getting little literacy nooks inside of laundromats across America. They believe it's a, a certain space where people spend time and they are involved in early literacy with their Too Small to Fail project. And the Laundromat Association has recognized us as being a model for other laundromats to become. So that's a beautiful thing. We just received recognition with the Laundry Cares Foundation and Too Small to Fail. Uh, we just received an award by Chelsea Clinton, who gave it, bestowed it upon us, for being a laundromat uh, that others should emulate. Which is, um, like I said, never in my wildest dreams did I think I would have a first family come visit, too. They all came. Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, and Chelsea Clinton came in. And they just like what we're doing. And it was a beautiful thing. So we had the first family come in. And they were they were here because of, of the book. Yeah, they came here. They were uh, Chelsea and her mom had the Gusto book. Right. So they went to some signing over there at the Baptist Church uh, in Uptown. And then they came over here. And they were just blown away by the... The simpleness of stickers on our machines, uh-huh. right? We have a little Twitter-style version history of people, of local people, on every machine. So nobody comes in here and calls a machine by a number. They call a machine by a name. Uh-huh. So they might call, sometimes when a machine breaks, they say, the Drew Brees machine broke, right? <laughs> or I got sister Helen Prejean, her machine broke. So it kind of creates a little fun, Yes. you know? And um, and it tells a little story of the history of New Orleans. That's right. It tells the history of New Orleans. So if you come to this laundromat, you're going to get a educational lesson by the machines themselves. I think that's yeah. absolutely fabulous. And I will say it was my husband's idea. I was kind of against it. I'm like, oh, you're really going to stick in a machine, Scott? He said, yeah, I'm going to stick in a machine. 
machine. Now I have people coming in want their own machine. Oh, like they I say, want Drew Brees. Yeah. yeah. No, but they say, how do I get a machine? Oh, right. Okay. So, um, they these are people who want to be recognized. Yeah, yeah, want okay. to be recognized. So that's fun. So we try, we 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 keeping it updated with new people. But what's also beautiful is we have a Q, a little QR code on some of the machines. Uh huh. So you can put your phone on the machine, and it also gives you a video history of the person. That's that's nice. Yeah. yeah. So we have I think we have Emerald up there. Uh huh. We have a hold of copy. We have. Sean Payton, Drew Brees, Cheeky Black, somebody that's coming in with a new machine. Um, we have a Mark Morial, Sybil Morial, and so I'm gonna start putting authors on the machine. Oh too. yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a lovely, yeah. lovely idea. I mean, you've been very, very creative in the way you approach everything, mm-hmm. and. I really want to ask you some other questions that aren't necessarily literacy. I'm going to come back to that and ask you about Melba's and how Melba's is doing during this pandemic. We've been very lucky, right? We we employ over 45 people here. And one thing about Melba's, how we're doing through the pandemic, is that before the pandemic, we used to probably get about 30% of our clientele was tourists, right? I mean, if you're in New Orleans and you're close to the quarter, you're always going to get tourists. Sure. But 70% of our business is geared to the everyday person, right? We've smacked we smack middle in the community. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also were a takeout establishment mm-hmm. before, um, you know, we have a big takeout establishment too. So we've done very well. We're not hurting like commanders or emeralds that's so geared toward the tourism industry. And it breaks my heart to see many restaurants in the city suffering from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't suffered in that way. So we are a very blessed and lucky establishment that we can keep the employees here mm-hmm. and uh, keep everybody working. And the community is utilizing us for what they utilized us before, which is the everyday meal. And, but still, I know people have gotten married and had their receptions yeah, yeah, yeah. here and all that sort of thing, which I just think is just so much fun. Yeah, right. I mean, if you get married at Melbourne, you get a thousand-piece chicken, right? <laughs> so it's a, uh, that was my husband's idea, that. But right before COVID, he, he, we created a room in the back, which is geared for about, it's, you just buy your food from us and you get the room in the back. Uh-huh. And it has a steam table. You can have all our, you know, all our stuff there, bell peppers and ribs and baked macaroni and jambalaya. And it's geared toward uh, people that want to have bridal showers or baby showers. So we have that, too, going on. COVID, we were going after the corporations, sure. right, with, mm-hmm. with 100 people or less. But we've had bridal showers and baby showers, and then it's working out great. I think that's a really, really wonderful, um, yeah, it's um, good. really yeah. a great aspect of things. I know that we've brought like cookbooks over here mm-hmm. and put them in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, donated some books. Yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, because any child that comes through here, all everybody in here, all Melba's staff know they can go up to their mom and say, "Look, you can take you a can book. take the book. Right, yeah. take a book." I think that's that's yeah, lovely. It's beautiful. So tell us about this little nook. This little nook. Well, like I said, the Laundry Cares Foundation came in and helped us with the little, when you first came, Liz, it was just a table and a bookshelf. Right. I think I had the chalkboard, you, too. I don't think no, so. No, maybe not. No, it was, uh, you could stick things up there. Yeah, but yeah, it, right, yeah. right. So now, it's kind of like, a, what I like to call it is, it's a little area where kids can play school. Uh-huh. Right? And actually, when I see kids in here, it brings back memories of my own 
time with my children and and me as a child, right? Mm-hmm. I used to play school as a child, right? I did too. Yeah, yeah. You did, most people play. So when mom comes to the laundromat, their children can play school. Mm-hmm. And how I know they play in school is that I see them on, on a chalkboard making other kids listen. You always can see the teacher. <laughs> I've had somebody up there already play coach. He's got all the X's and the O's, and he's explaining <laughs> to the other kid how the, the play should go. Uh-huh. Uh, when we get the color sheets from the kids, because we offer free ice cream, whoever colors the sheet, uh, I see A pluses on the sheet. You know, somebody know, graded it. Right, right. <laughs> Somebody's rating the color sheets, and uh, we we give the free ice cream with the color sheets, even if it's not colored great. Right. I mean, as long as the child tries, we're that's gonna, right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but this used to be a little container. It was a storage container. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we just popped out the wall and made the storage container a little literacy nook. So uh, the children, you can see the children's comfort in their eyes when they're here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you can see the children stepping in, step, hopping their step when they walk up, and they are just excited to come to the laundromat. It's, it, it's really amazing to see the eyes of the children, yeah. and that's why I know it's working. I just think it's it's so. You can even feel it as an adult. Oh yeah, right? exactly. It it feels so comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Comfortable. and right. and warm. Yeah. you know. So I could definitely see where children would feel very comfortable yeah. here. Everything is at their level, level right. all that sort of thing. Right. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. It's been one of the best things I've ever done in business. I can honestly say that. I think that business people today have to find their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, business shouldn't be just be about the bottom line. It should be about the double bottom line, and every 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 business. And what do you mean by the double? The double bottom, bottom line, line is just it's an area. Of, the, the bottom line of business is always important: the profit and loss statement, how much money you make. You, and you have to be able to make enough money to stay of open course. and of to have your employees be paid j- decently. Yes, but uh, it shouldn't be all about that. Right. Right. And and. And a lot of business people could say, "Oh, yes, it is. That's all it's about. It's about the but but good businesses engage, right? And a customer, when they walk into the door, of your business should feel what you what you're doing. And um, corporate social responsibility is something that businesses have to embrace and engage with because if they don't, I don't believe they'll be around. Right? We, we are surviving the internet revolution and we are surviving COVID because of the engagement we have with the community. Right, And uh, businesses have to learn something from that. And I, I also know that you have a lot of support for the hurricane victims who are yeah. here in New Orleans. I mean, so. we, were, we were lucky to be able to do that. I said, you know. We um, were lucky as a city oh that God, we yeah. didn't get hit directly. And you know yeah. what was beautiful is watching all the staff here engage with the people that were from Lake Charles. Because all the staff here has been affected by Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. I bet you I bet you 80% of our staff has been affected by Hurricane Katrina. So for them to have the ability to engage with the customers was a beautiful thing to watch, right? In a sense of whenever we talk to somebody, they knew we knew what they were going through. Right, right, yeah. Well, and that's that empathy actually helps. Oh God, yeah. But tell us what you did for the the. We offered people. a free laundry service. We knew there was ten thousand people in town, and uh, we offered free laundry for the month. So all of September, we had free laundry. 
I remember when I suggested it to my husband, he thought it was a great idea. He's like, yeah, we should do that. That's good, you know. And when we did it, we we didn't expect as many people as that came. We had so many people. My husband was was like looking at me, look what you did, you know, uh, because it, it kind of not ran off our regular customers, but we were so busy uh, with the free laundry. And that we were, your customers couldn't just come yeah, in right, and, right. and find a machine. Right, find Drew a machine. Drew Brees was in action. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, the staff was happy we could do it. We were happy we could do it. And um, just seeing the sustainability of people. And their uh, resilience. Yes, yes, their resilience. Yeah. Makes you uh, understand that little things make a big difference. Everybody was so appreciative, and it was something. I think every business should find what they can do for hurricane evacuees all the time. And other disasters, too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I have... It's time for us to kind of wrap up, and okay. I want to make sure that we end on food. Okay, this food, is, all right. This is, um, it's all about it's food. It's all about food. So have you changed your menu in any way because of COVID? Have you found that you have people who are coming here and using the fact that you're open, say, differently than they might have, like more celebrations or mm-hmm. more birthdays celebrated here, things that maybe they might have gone to? Uh, commanders. Yeah, you're like right. That. The fact of the matter is, was when there's less restaurants open for people to go celebrate uh-huh. at places, a place like ours becomes a little bit more important, mm-hmm. right? I do. We do see our little catering orders going up. Mm-hmm. People are home more eating, mm-hmm. so we sell in pans of baked macaroni and pans of bell pepper and pans of things that we sell. You know more. So people are still eating at home. Yes, there's no doubt. But they might not always cook at home. That's right. They're yeah. picking it up and they're going home and eat. I, I, I think even our, our transactions went up a bit because they're buying more. Uh-huh. Because people are eating at home more. And there's so no doubt about that. You were also talking to me about your daiquiri business mm-hmm. and the law and how yeah, that yeah. changed things. Um, now now you can sell to-go daiquiris again, right? Yeah, we can sell to-go daiquiris again. Um you know, we're abiding by all the laws and regulations of, of, of what our mayor is trying to do, do to keep this city as healthy as she can. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it hurt our soul when we couldn't sell daiquiris to go because I didn't fully understand why would such a law be enacted, but we had to follow it. And, and, and everybody's uh, understanding, right? Yeah. But our best daiquiri is Dollar Daiquiri Day, right? So as soon as the law was enacted that we were able to do, do to go, um, we saw a lot of dollar daiquiris again on Mondays. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I do understand what the law was about. It's to stop people from congregating. Right. I didn't understand the law of why it said no to go, but I understand why it was geared to not letting people hang out in the French Quarter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But sometimes laws affect too many people, right? Right, right. The secondary effect of the law yes. is is not what the right, or executive order, or whatever right, it was. Right, right. Yeah, it, it is um, sometimes done for this reason, but it has an effect. That's right, huge, that's right. You know, yeah. It's always doing the best she can. And uh, I really feel for all government yeah, right they gotta now make a lot trying of, to make yeah, these decisions. They gotta make business people have to make decisions, restaurants mm-hmm. make decisions. Uh, personally, we gotta make decisions. Exactly, right? exactly. So, it's really tough. So Jane, thank you very much. I want to congratulate you on all of this. I think that it is just such a 
a gift to the community. I, I really, really think what you're doing is Yeah, it's a gift to us and the, and, and the staff, too, because uh, everybody here is liking what we're doing in regard to corporate social responsibility and in regard to um, doing what we can other than looking at the bottom line. So do you have any staff picks in the way of books? Any of your staff saying, oh, you got to have this book? You know, it's amazing to watch our staff because I do believe that the service industry staff needs literacy in their lives. Mm -hmm. They don't have time to go to book signings. They don't have time to go to book discussions, right? So that's why That's the when they're working. Yes, that's when they're working. So what I've noticed is my staff has been enlightened by the people that have come here. And that's one of the most beautiful things ever. Uh -huh. And that's an aspect of of this literacy thing that we're doing here at Melba's too. We have such a big service staff industry. In New Orleans. That, yes, in yes. New Orleans. That mm -hmm. I think that the restaurant is, I know they're suffering from COVID right now, but they got to look at ways that they can help educate the people that are under their wings. Right. And I've seen that happen because mm -hmm. I've had staff people, I've had uh, members of our staff say, Jane, I know about uh, I know about Baldwin now, you know. I know about uh, Eddie Glaude now. I know about Liz Williams now. Um, they come into me enjoying what we bring in through the mechanism of books. They enjoy and they get an education here. So that's been a beautiful thing to watch too. Well, thanks so much for giving me your time yes. so oh. that we could do this. Yes. And uh, I look forward to listening to yeah, it all. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue. We come to you from studios in the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans. Please come by when you are in New Orleans. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This is 